My guest today, someone that sent me an Instagram message on December 10th, 2020, that read the following. Case, if I am not on your podcast in 2021, I will kill myself and then you. So luckily we are rectifying that error today. My guest today is Holden Santi. Holdy, how are you doing? I'm doing so good, Case. How are you? Oh my goodness, Holden, I'm doing so much better now that I'm talking to you. It's like, what are... What are the odds that we can come together on a Zoom call and just hang out as friends, really? What are the odds? I slim to none. I feel like I really haven't talked to you since the world became what it is in March of last year. I feel like I had so much Holden in my life for the longest time, and then it quickly scaled back to no Holden. It was very hard for me. I know, and I've, I've heard that from a lot of people, and it can cause withdrawals. It can cause withdrawals similar to hard drug usage. Well, you're a social butterfly, if I can say that. So yeah. I'm curious as to how you have been dealing with uh, the idea of the pandemic, the reality of the pandemic, rather. It's not an idea, it's a reality. And just how you've been managing that for close to a year now. Um, I actually am thriving. If there's one thing I love more than like, doing it all. It's doing nothing at all. And so I love that I now live in a world where it's totally acceptable for me to not leave my room at all. And no one expects anything of me. Well, that's what I like about you, Holden. You're an extremist. You're either doing the extreme version of one thing or you're doing the extreme version of another thing. And I think that's really cool, Holden. (laughs) Thank you, Kate. (laughs) So we're here today not only to talk about an artist, but to really talk about a culture because Holden is someone that I know, I've known for a long time. And I, I feel like at first I met Holden, I was like, mm, I don't really get it. I don't, I, don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to get here. And then suddenly it clicked and I was like, I actually really like Holden. And the one common thread the entire time that I've known you is that Holden likes Charlie XCX. I know nothing about this woman. I don't really know who she is. We're going to talk about all of that on the show today i i gotta know up top what was your introduction to her and yeah let's just start with the introduction holden um okay so my introduction to charlie xcx is like there's kind of two separate parts to it because she the music that she made like in like 2014 2015 is a lot different than the music that she made now so when the movie The Fault in Our Stars came out, Mm -hmm. a delicious little movie about two kids with cancer who just might find love. And if they can do it, anybody can do it, just to be clear. (laughs) If it can work for them, it can work for anyone. Um, And Charlie XCX did like kind of the lead single off of that movie soundtrack called Boom Clap. And that song kind of, put her out into the public consciousness and people kind of like knew who she was. And then she very shortly after that movie released her own album and she was on Fancy with Iggy Azalea. So around that time, I was very active. I was in high school and I was very active on the social media platform, Tumblr. This was one of my questions. I want to know if you were a Tumblr kid or not. Right, okay. Yeah, and I, I'm a Tumblr adult because um, I still have one. I've had like five different Tumblrs. Like the Tumblr that I had in high school, one day I was just like sitting in my high school cafeteria and I was like, I'm going to delete this. 
And then I did. And then I was like, well, now I want it back. Very chaotic energy from you, Holden. Very chaotic. (laughs) It's very impulsive. So in high school, I, whenever you would go onto my Tumblr blog, like on a desktop computer, Fancy by Iggy Azalea featuring Charlie XCX would instantly start playing, as would Boom Clap shortly after that. So that was kind of like my first introduction to Charlie XCX, but it was like, I didn't know really who she was. I just knew I really enjoyed those two songs. And then, you know, I deleted that blog and then like literally never listened to Boom Clap or Fancy like for like five years. And then it was, I, it wasn't until I came to Columbia that I got back into her. Um, a very good friend of mine, Carson Bartholomew, she was having a Super Bowl party at her Dwight Loft's apartment. This is bringing back so many memories of that Super Bowl, Patriots, Eagles. That was our freshman year, the Dwight yeah. Loft apartment, which I hadn't <laughs> thought about in such a long time. It brings back a lot of memories <laughs> for me too. I won't delve into um, A lot happened at that Super Bowl party. Um, but... It was like she had invited her roommate Brenna had invited a lot of her friends over. Basically, the party kind of just devolved into us muting the Super Bowl and like playing like gay people music. Um, and Charlie XCX got put on, and I was like, "Who the hell is this? I love her." And I never, and it was like. Most of the stuff from her mixtape Pop 2 was what was playing. And I'd never heard that before. It must, it would, had only been out for maybe like six months, probably less at that point. And so I asked my room, my soon to be roommate, Griffin, I was like, who the hell is this? I need to know every song by this girl that you like. I need to know all about her. And then I very quickly just kind of, fell in love with what she does and her as a person. Hold on. My goodness. So many questions coming off of that. Amazing that it was a Super Bowl party that led you to rediscover Charlie XCX. Are you aware that as of this recording, the Super Bowl is one week away? I did not even know they were still doing football in this um, <laughs> landscape. I, I got news for you. They are still doing football. It's the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. It's going to be a great game. I'm, I'm excited. Yes, you should be. I'm curious, because these are now accounts that are deactivated, would you be willing to share any of the Tumblr blogs that you had and perhaps any cringeworthy names if there were any? Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, I can. Um, my first blog on Tumblr that I ever had when I was maybe 15 years old and like very gay already. Um, it was called Vaginaholics. Um, it, it's a portmanteau, you see, of vagina and like alcoholic. Okay, yes, I follow now. And that was my first one. But when I was in like that era of my Tumblr usage, it was like, I was, st- I was very just like impulsive about changing things. So I changed the name of it like several times. I think another 
name for that specific blog was Kramerica. I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan, but that was a Seinfeld reference, um, except the K in Kramerica was spelled LC because someone had taken the, the K, Kramerica. And then I think it was Satanist hyphen Bible before it was deactivated. I gotta be honest, I, you know, I'm obviously a Seinfeld fan. Look at me and you know my personality, of course, I'm a Seinfeld me. fan. Extreme Seinfeld fan. I'm surprised you're a Seinfeld fan. I watched Seinfeld, Seinfeld would play 7.30 p.m. on the East Coast every day. And I would watch it with my dad while we ate dinner. I think it was like we'd watch Jeopardy and then we'd watch Seinfeld. That's a good combination. It was like two or three episodes of Seinfeld a night. I I know Seinfeld like the back of my hand. It's one of my favorite shows. Hold on, that's so terrific. I I want to talk about Boom Clap. So what we did instead of breaking down an album was I asked Holden, send me a playlist of about 10 songs, the essentials of Charlie XCX. Let me get to know her that way. Cause I don't, I don't think there's an album specifically that really jumped out at me and Holden someone that can obviously span her entire career. So let's really go big picture with this. Boom Clap was on the playlist. The link to the playlist will be in the description of this episode. If you'd like to follow along. The Fault in Our Stars, massive, massive hit. Boom Clap, the lead single on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm was did you read the fault in our stars were you a young adult novel fan at the time were you in this world at at at, you know when the fault in our stars came out in this world like was i into like i was never a john green fan okay someone once described me as like a protagonist for a john green novel do you think that's true Again, I'm a John Green fan. <laughs> take your word for it, I guess. You don't have like cancer of the lung. So <laughs> I guess yes and no. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I wasn't, no. I was like, um, I've always been, I'm pretty sure like by the time, at this point in my life, I think the book that I was most likely to be reading at that time was the like, you know, the Broadway musical Wicked? I've heard of it. It's based off of a novel called Wicked and it's for adults. And there's a lot of adult, like the Wicked Witch is like getting her pussy ate in that book. And I'm like 15 years old reading that book. That's like the type of book I was reading around that time. Well, you I, were so mature for your age. I'm very mature for my age, exactly. So like, but I was never really into like YA fiction like that. I I just, I was never even, I don't even know if I've seen The Fault in Our Stars, the movie all the way through. I was just like, Shailene Woodley's got cancer. Oh Shailene no. Woodley and cancer, pick a struggle, you guys. <laughs> so you're a high school Tumblr kid. You're now a Tumblr adult. Is there a transition to another social media network that you find you really thrive under? Yeah. Um, okay. So I am now like, I mean, like big on Twitter means like I love Twitter and I use it every day. Not that I'm like big on Twitter, but um, I love Twitter and that's like my social media platform of choice. 
I spend hours, especially because I'm just stuck at home all day. I spend hours of my life on there every single day. So Twitter, is it just a personal account? Is it a Stan account? How many, how many accounts are we operating at this point, Holden? I am operating, okay. Well, I'm operating like three Twitter accounts right now. There's like kind of my public facing Twitter account, which is the same at as my Instagram, which is how now mad cow. And that's kind of just my Twitter that I use for like people who knew me in high school and like people who know me in college, like for very like, just like humor on that account. Just It's your of- public facing account. It's exactly. your brand to an extent. Yes. It's yeah. the account that I follow. I have that level exactly. of clearance with you. Uh-huh. So if like, I don't, like, I don't know if I was going to put a account on a job application, I actually might put my stand Twitter account on there. <laughs> <laughs> that one has a lot more followers than my other one. Um, and then I have my stand account. Um, and that's also public. And I've kind of made that one also a little bit more public facing, like people from Colombia and my like friends, some of my friends from home and like my roommates follow me on that. And I've made myself a little more known on that account. I've had it for like two years and for like the first year and nine months, I was like, if you're gonna follow me, you cannot retweet anything because people will find me and that's not okay. That's not what I'm here for. It's very covert. But now it like has my name attached to it, just like my first name attached to it. And then oh, oh, go ahead. No, please hold it. Go ahead. And then I have a third one, which is just a private account, which is like that's a private account with like twelve followers that I just like complain on. Yeah, if you're gonna talk shit, you go to the private account. I'm curious about the politics of running a stand Twitter. What is the moment where you decided that this is something you need to take time and energy out of your day of to do? Um, okay, so I guess I've had this isn't like my first stand account ever. Going back to Tumblr, I had a stand account that was a Game of Thrones Tumblr blog back when Game of Thrones was good-ish. And that was kind of like my first introduction into, I guess, fandom and like devoting like time into that. But that was more just like, kind of like retweeting other people's own work for that. Yeah. And then when I got to college, I got really into RuPaul's Drag Race. And then I had a Drag Race stand Twitter account for only like a year because I was, then I was like, I don't care about this account. Like it wasn't something that I could use all the time. It was like, this is only relevant one or two times during the year. Um, and I'm a being who thrives on constant attention all the time. 24 seven, 365. Exactly. So then I got into Charlie XX and one of my very best friends has a stan account as well and i was like oh like he does this and he enjoys this i'm gonna make my own so like summer after my freshman year i was just like unemployed at my mom's house 
and I was just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a Stan Twitter account for Charlie XCX. And it, I don't even, there's a lot about that that I don't exactly remember. Cause I don't think that I thought, I think that when I created that account, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to be a pioneer here. And I'm going to have to be the person who brings Charlie XCX. Like I'm like Columbus discovering America. And I'm like, I'm gonna have to be the one to bring culture to Twitter about Charlie XCX. I guess I'll do it if this is my cross to bear. I know, and I was like so underestimating how many other gay people on Twitter also loved Charlie XCX. Like I wasn't scraping the top of the barrel when it comes to like Charlie XCX stuff. And I think that that was like, that caught me off guard when I was like, wait, so many people have been such big fans of her for so much longer than I have. Like other, like if anything, I felt like a pretender. Cause like here I am like coming in there like 18 years old, finding out Charlie XCX in college. And everyone's like, oh yeah, I'm like 12 running a <laughs> fan Twitter account with like 15,000 followers. It's like, okay, cool. So in the Charlie XCX universe, you have, you know, obviously your Swifties, I believe the Aryanators is a thing. Aryanators, yeah. What are the Charlie XCX people called? Um, Charlie's, <laughs> this is so funny. I've never like talked about this with someone before. Um, Charlie's Angels. Of course, of course. Now, how do they compare? Because recently... We did a show. It was me, Jake Klingensmith, Tally Dooley, Caleb Soul. You're you're familiar with these people. And the lead topic was what is wrong with Taylor Swift fans? Why are they the way they are? Why are they commenting on John Lewis's New York Times obituary, mm-hmm. asking them to change the score of folklore? Like that seems messed up. How does the Charlie's Angels compare to perhaps the BTS K-pop people or the <laughs> Swifties or any of the other very vocal stan bases? Okay, that's a great question. Thank you. Um, I think I joined Stan Twitter in 2017. And I would say that like my relationship with that type of, I guess, Stan posting has changed. But I also think that like the gen- the fandom at large has also kind of changed, I would say. Like I think in 2017, Um, I entered a fandom that was kind of a little bit like crazy. Like I do think that like in 2017, a lot of people that I knew, you know, or like what I was mutuals with and like maybe even me, no, I never did that. I never did like crazy stuff like that. Crazy, annoying stuff like that. But what would the crazy, annoying stuff be? Like, you know, yeah. Posting on like, like if a celebrity dies, I'm not gonna be posting a Charlie XCX fan cam, like stream, boom, clap. Like that's not me. I'm not gonna be doing that because that's like fucked up. <laughs> but there were, they, and, and like, there's a level of pretentiousness that I think comes with Charlie XCX fans because her music is very like avant. So I think like, especially nowadays her music is like kind of obscure and like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And so like, they have that kind of mentality. And do you like that be feeling a little pretentious? Like, oh, not everybody, like she's a pop star, but like not for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like, I do feel like 
Charlie XCX is someone that I think like a lot of people know of, but they don't really like know who she is. Like you say Charlie XCX to the, to the majority of people, they're going to probably think like boom clap or fancy. And it's like, oh, well, little do you know, she has a wonderful little career underneath the surface. And I think that. that that's a little fun having like, I don't know, yeah. She's a fun girl that like not a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people are into her, but then there's like even more people that aren't. So there is a little like fun in that. So the fan base has chilled out though since 2017 because we've really seen the rise of especially the BTS people that I find to be slightly deranged. And you're saying the Charlie XX people have calmed down kind of as they've taken over. Yeah, and I think there's still like a subsection of people um, that still engage with that. And that's usually like, I'm just gonna generalize here. That's usually very like cis, white, gay, twink behavior. And I think that like, I don't interact with as many of like those people that engage with that behavior. Like I've pulled myself away from that. And yeah, I just think that like the majority of the Charlie XCX fandom has like moved away from that. I think, yeah, because, and especially because of the rise of like BTS people who are like, kind of like, that to an extreme militant no yeah it's insane like they're crazy people and I think that that has kind of made someone worse so it's like if you engage in behavior like that you can't really like say what they're doing is wrong and I think a lot of people want to have something over BTS (laughs) fans like we all want to be better than bts fans so we can't engage in the same behavior as them so hold on let's spill some tea for a second okay removing yourself from the charlie xx fan base at large just you yourself personally Mm -hmm. what fan base is out there that really rubs you the wrong way lady gaga Mm, please explain um because okay. I'll be honest, you seem like you would have been, I believe they were little monsters is what they were called. You seem like you would have been a little monster. Okay. I was a little monster in like high school, but that was also like, I think that Charlie XX was like kind of formative for like my music taste now. Like I would definitely say that like my music taste is probably pretentious and like eye rolling. Like I'm into experimental music. And it's like, that's like, okay, whatever. Um, So then I just kind of left the stuff that I was into in high school kind of behind me. And Lady Gaga was on my good side for a long time. I was her friend for a while. Mm -hmm. I saw, I'm not afraid to admit that I saw A Star is Born in theaters five separate times. Oh my God. So this is a recent development that you've turned against Lady Gaga. very recent and then I don't know she was like she released that song stupid love and I I had a very visceral reaction to that song and it was a bad one I was like this is terrible and I hate it and I hate you I was like she made me look like a fool And I was just like, you know what? I'm not a fan of her anymore. And then she just kept doing things that 
I was like, Ugh. like yeah. I feel like she panders to a, a very specific, again, a very specific subset of LGBT folks that I think are like the worst. And I'm just like, that's who you're like, want your audience to be. Like Charlie XCX has some like, some bad apples, I'll say it. And she does like pander to gay people. She's like a gay icon. <laughs> but it's like, I just like Charlie XCX isn't releasing like a jock strap as merch. No, at like, least I jock- haven't seen one. And then Lady Gaga's like releasing like a jock, like she's releasing like a chromatica jock strap. And it's like, okay, girl, you know, you do you, I guess. I, you know, I guess I feel like the Lady Gaga stock is down. I I agree with you completely. My final question about sort of the digital landscape before we move into this playlist. And it's a, it's a genuine question because I, I feel like even though I'm not actively standing any musicians, I am very curious about that world. It seems very, very mm-hmm. strange to me. And especially, you know, your BTS people, your Taylor Swift people that are very militant about this. Does running a stand account impact your mental health in a positive or a negative way? I think that like, it's, you get in it, you get out of it what you put into it. So like I, when I... And I think that like, hmm, how do I approach this? <laughs> um, I like took a break from my stand account pretty much like the bulk of my winter break. I took like three weeks off of it. That's huge. Because I, when I'm not in Chicago, I just don't feel connected. I don't feel inspired. Um, so when I was like at home in Michigan, I was just like, not like, just like feeling it. So I just like deactivated it for like two or three weeks. Um, But also I think that, I don't think it's a generally like, hmm. (laughs) it's not, it it hasn't been bad for my mental health. Yeah. And I also, but I also think that like, I am an adult who like, I think has the ability to like compartmentalize things. Like I'm not bringing that like stuff online into my real life. If I get like offended online or if I get upset online, I think I can get like over it pretty soon. And I think that I have like a support network both online and in real life that I can like go to if, you know, things start getting shitty. But I think like, as I get older, I think like, interacting with like really like classic stan drama and stuff isn't really like beneficial for me. I think like the best way you can interact with like very cliche stan culture is from a distance. It's like, I use my account to tweet about how much I love Charlie XCX. I'm not here to please anyone but my audience. I'm not here to get into any arguments with people about Charlie XCX because I know she's amazing. I don't care if you don't think she is, you know? So I think that it's like from a distance is kind of like the best place to interact with that sort of stuff. 
well, Holden, thank you so much for giving a thoughtful answer to that question. That was really enlightening. I want to shift to the playlist now. I'm curious up top, the order of the songs that you sent, were they sequenced in a specific way or did you just throw them in and that's the order they happen to fall in? Okay, let me pull up the playlist on my computer. Please, the XC Essentials, which was a very clever name hold in 10 songs in 36 minutes. Like I said, this will be in the link to the description if you'd like to follow along. Um, so the first... The first seven songs are in kind of chronological order based on like when they were released. And like most of them are all off there. Oh, the first seven songs are all off of a different project. And then the last three were kind of the ones that I was like, okay, I have, I've picked out one from each project so now I will kind of put in ones that I think deserve a little bit more love things that I think you know don't get a lot of like media Uh, underrated yeah they're underrated kind of yeah well, again, I knew nothing about her, didn't know any of these songs. I We talked right before we started recording that maybe I had heard Boom Clap before, but it it didn't sound intimately familiar. Like, I'm sure I'm, I was aware of its existence, but I didn't know the song. So these were 10 songs that were completely new to me. And although I knew nothing about this artist, by the end of listening to this playlist as many times as I did, I felt like I had a really fair level of understanding as to who she is and what her sound is and it's a very unique sound you hear that from the start with what i like which is very bouncy i like the instrumental and the production side of things a lot and i thought that her voice carried this track of the 10 songs what i like is not my favorite but i thought it was a very very strong way to start this playlist yeah um and that's from her first album she had like some like MySpace music before that and like SoundCloud mixtapes, but this is from her first album, True Romance, which I think like in the Charlie XCX canon is like probably one of her most underrated projects like of all time, especially when it comes to just like very like a mainstream audience. Like I think you're least likely to know about True Romance because it was from so long ago. And that was when she was making like more dark wave-ish stuff, which I really enjoy. I I myself will even admit that I don't listen to True Romance as much as I wish I did. I think that that album, I have to be in a certain headset for that because it is so different from like her current stuff. There was a darkness to a lot of these songs that I wasn't necessarily expecting. There was a lot more depth in her just her vocal range and her means of production that I was again not really anticipating and I think my idea for what Charlie XCX was was much more along the lines of boom clap which I will I will throw you a comparison of what this song reminded me of it reminded me of bulletproof by LaRue in the sense that it was kind of so dumb and so cashy that I couldn't help but like it boom clap was yes yeah okay and that's it's fun that you say that because um there's like charlie xx that's from her second album sucker um so let's just get into that sucker was like a departure for her from even true romance because 
she had been kind of catapulted by Fancy, by Iggy Azalea, and like people started to know who she was, and then boom, Clap became such a hit because of The Fault in Our Stars. So she wanted to make like a very typical pop record. She like wanted to be like your very typical pop star, like a Lady Gaga or like a, a Kesha at the time. Katy Perry. I was gonna say Katy Perry, yes. And then Sucker came out and she just like didn't become a pop star. So that song, I think in the Charlie XCX fandom, that song is kind of like getting a lot more praise nowadays. I think if you ask the majority of angels, they would say that Sucker is probably their least favorite project because it's Charlie XCX's least favorite project of hers. Um, but I, I love Boom Clap. And I think it's like such a cute song and so like innocent and fun. It was like, you could tell that she really thought that that was cute and that she thought that like the world was gonna love her. And it's like beautiful. Is this the apex mountain for Charlie XCX? 294 million streams on Spotify the lead single to the Fault in Our Stars soundtrack. As a star, is this where she peaked? And artistically, do you think this is where she peaked or are there more perhaps enriching projects down the line? I don't think that's where she peaked at all. And I, pro I mean, I'm coming at it from a different perspective than like most people. Like, you know, you ask most people, who's Charlie XCX? They're like, oh, boom, clap. And they wouldn't know like a single song off of any of her modern day records yeah and I think that like that it just wasn't her you know I don't think that sucker really was like indicative of who she was as a person so I can't really say that she peaked there because it was just kind of a little fake you know it wasn't that's not really who she is and I think that she's like like every record she's put out like since that, I think has gotten better and better. And she's like come into herself more and more and more, especially like past few years. I think she's like really coming into her own. So you mentioned the innocence on Boom Clap, which I would agree. I think it's a very uh, just warm and friendly song to an extent. And that sound is quickly abandoned on this playlist when you move into a song like Vroom Vroom, which... I found to be dark and moody and scary. And I want to know what you think of this song. That is, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. I have it tattooed on myself. I did not put that together. I remember you getting that tattoo. I have Vroom Vroom tattooed on my arm. That was like, um, it's, oh, Vroom Vroom is her most popular song in her fandom. Like okay. that is the song, she plays it at concerts. The crowd goes bananas. That's like when you're at a Charlie XCX concert, Vroom Vroom starts playing, you need to like brace for impact because everyone is like going feral. It's, I love it. It's one of my favorite songs probably of all time. I love that song with all my heart. So describe to me the Charlie XCX live experience, if you could, because again, we don't really, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of music. I think our one big 
uh, music conversation that we had was I once posted a song by the band Ceremony on my Instagram story, and uh, you dm me something unrelated i said just for fun listen to that song let me know what you think and it was a song about going to jail it's a very violent punk rock song and you were i remember asking you the next day in person you were very turned off by the yelling and the aggression of this song but it sounds like if a room room comes on live perhaps a mosh pit of sorts is going to form is that correct holden it is yeah um i saw her i've seen her twice um i saw her First time I saw her at Pitchfork Music Festival. That was one of my favorite days because she, me and my friends from home in Michigan, like they came down and we went to Pitchfork together. And then like Charlie XCX was like the headliner of like the last day. And we got there and we were kind of, and it was a huge crowd because she was a headliner and we were kind of like square in the middle of it. And then Charlie XCX comes out and suddenly the entire, like we're all pushed forward. And somehow my slight slippery little body gets pushed all the way from like the middle of this giant crowd straight to like the second row. And so I got to experience it like very up close and like unencumbered by like making a fool of myself in front of my friends because they weren't there. Um, was this the Pitchfork Music Festival of 2019? It was. Oh my goodness, hold on. This uh, this is a very, very impressive lineup. That was the uh, the same Pitchfork Festival that Bell and Sebastian played, uh, if you're feeling sinister, all the way through. Did you happen to catch the Bell and Sebastian set? <laughs> I saw... I saw Sky Ferreira there. Okay. Which is another thing that I think it's so funny because that's another thing that a lot of people can't say. <laughs> a lot of people can't say they've seen Sky Ferreira live because Sky Ferreira hasn't put out music in like 10 years. <laughs> um, I saw Rico Nasty there. I saw, I didn't see JPEG Mafia there. My friends were mad at me. because I don't he, like JPEG Mafia. I've got some beef with him. I saw Jeremiah there because my friend Gabby loves Jeremiah and we saw that and she loved it. I was like, who's this guy? Um, and one other person, I oh, Claro. Oh, okay. I'm familiar with her. Claro got to like watch that little Coca-Cola era <laughs> whisper into a mic for like half an hour. That sounds like a riveting experience, Holden. I'm very happy for you. Um, but the Charlie XCX live experience is like very different from the Clara live experience. <laughs> um, like that, it's just like, it's a lot more fun. Like Clara, just to comp with Claro, like Claro's just like very like, let's sway back and forth. And again, like listen to this girl whisper into a mic. And it's like Charlie XCX music it goes hard most of the time. And everyone there knows all of the words and they're all singing in a British accent. And it's super just fun and lively and hardcore. It's um, very hardcore, Holden. It's very hardcore. Yeah. But then interestingly, like the experience of seeing her live at Pitchfork was a lot different than seeing her live at, like at a concert for like at a Charlie X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw her 
she released her album, Charlie. And me and my roommate and best friend, Zoe, you know Zoe. I do. We saw her and we were like second row for this. The people in front of us in the front row were like, to use this again, a certain subset of the LGBT community were in front of us. Like, and and white, how would you, and how would you describe those people? White twinks, sis, and they were so fucking mean. Mm, yes, like, it started, and they were like, mask off. They're like, we are not letting you fucking touch this railing. Like one, someone in like adjacent to us, the girl next to us, like was just like trying to have a good time and the twink in front of her like hit her. And we were like, what is happening? Like eventually Zoe and I were like, we're not doing this anymore. Because it just, it was like, Zoe's like fucking five feet tall. So it was just like the crowd's going crazy and I'm like trying to protect Zoe from like falling down and getting trampled. So we were like, let's go. So we like watched it from a different place, but the atmosphere to Charlie XCX, I think like the Charlie XCX live draws the worst fandom because I remember during that tour, her tour for that, it was just like every night was another, like you'd hear it, you'd go on Twitter, you'd go on Charlie XCX Twitter and you'd hear of like another like terrible thing that happened, like fucking like, someone got pissed on at a Charlie XCX concert. And it's like not her fault at all. Like no. not Charlie XCX's fault. It's like, like these white gay men are going and they're like thinking that, and they're fucking like probably on like cocaine and Molly and like three different brands of poppers. And then they're like pissing on girls. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, you're not making anyone look good by doing this. So I would say like her concert experience, like I would, of course, I'd see her again, but like, it's just because I want to throw money at her as much money at her, at her as I can. <laughs> but it's like, I would be like a little more cautious about like where I view Stand. it. Stand, yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's, let's lump these next two songs together with lip gloss and I got it. Okay. Now- Holden, you know me very well. You I know. I know you cut out. I know you biblically. <laughs> uh, you probably know me too well at this point. I guess in your sick, twisted little mind, when you put these songs on the playlist, these songs featuring Cupcake, which I think is important, what what did you think my reaction was going to be? I don't know. Um, Case, I, I'm sorry, but I wasn't really thinking about you when I was. No, that's fair. Yeah. That's that's totally fair. I'm, I just like. I mean, I guess, but that is a good question because I mean, these songs both are very frenetic. Graphic is the word I would use. They're graphic, they're, it's like getting electrocuted. Like these songs are both, I mean, lip gloss is very like getting electrocuted. Um, but um, then they both have cupcake, which I didn't realize until I was done with that. I was like, oh, I put two cupcake songs on that. They're both very iconic songs from their respective mixtape. Um, but I think that like those songs are so, they go hard 
as fucking hell. And lip gloss, I saw that live at Pitchfork with, and Cupcake made an appearance because she's from Chicago. Um, but I think that, what do, what do you think of them, I guess? I should be asking you. I mean, look, obviously the era of the horny female rapper is in, and I support it. I'm COVID negative, sex positive, you know me. I, I know you did with this. But, oh my God, I mean, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Listen to these songs? <laughs> like... <Yeah. laughs> It's like eating all these sweets fuck around in a cavity used to call you daddy and now I call you my majesty. That's like lyricism. Like so much of the music that I enjoy is like I feel seen in this moment. Girl left you, girl broke up with you, girl won't talk to you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, nothing about Cupcake, who I, who I knew because I had been introduced to her by someone else that goes to our school. It's not... I feel like Cupcake would be uncomfortable if I liked these songs. I think it would bum her out if I was a fan. I think Cupcake would welcome you with open arms. <laughs> it would be like, I don't know, like Michael Sarah being a fan of NWA. Like you being a fan of Cupcake would be like, I would like be here for it. Case Cupcake era would like be arriving. It's and so intense. Fan account would be major. <laughs> it's so intense. It's so graphic. I know we're living in a post-WAP society, but this was this was a lot for me. These songs, every time I listened to them, it, I was so taken aback by just what was said and how it was said and how it was done. I I didn't even like sonically. I don't even dislike these songs. I just can't imagine myself ever listening to them given the the lyrical content. Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, for me, when it comes to listening to music in general, I think that I th I'm a very like production-based person. And I think that just adds to me being pretentious. Cause I'm like, I won't listen to that cause it's not like produced well. Um, but like, and I'm also someone who needs to be like constantly stimulated while I'm listening to music. Um, so with songs like, lip gloss and even more so with I got it that like really like towards the end of I got it it just like goes crazy and it's like attacking your ears those are like oh it's music to my ears it's like I can listen to that like I listen to that on the train I'll listen to that like to relax like I'll listen to that to decompress like just because I think it's like okay like music on world out of course like, it's like a, like i said it's like attacking your ears and i think that that's like what i think a lot of charlie xcx's music does and like that's like not for everyone clearly but i think that that's like something that i really love and with lip gloss too like both of those songs just like really go hard and i think that's why, like, they're two of her best songs, man. Gone, which was next on a playlist, my favorite song of the 10. What are your thoughts on this one? Okay. I debated putting that song on there because it's not really my favorite of the album, mm -hmm. Charlie. Um, I originally had put the first song, the opening track off of her self-titled album, which is called Next Level Charlie on there but then I like looked at your Instagram DM you're like 
Charlie XCX Essentials. And I was like, okay, these aren't necessarily my favorite songs as much as they are like, you're giving someone an introduction into Charlie XCX. This song, I think like showcases a, a very different like side of her, especially with these like eras. Like this is like a post number one angel, which had lip gloss, post pop two, which had I got it. So this is like, she's already like knee deep into this kind of sound. And this is kind of a departure from even that because it's very low key and it's very like more melodic than it is like kind of hardcore. This is like a very like, I don't know, it's just like a very like songy song. That was, it was immediately accessible. I knew what it was the first time I heard it. And from there it was so catchy that it was kind of able to grow with me. But I think there was a learning curve on a few of these songs. And I feel like this one, it was, pretty straightforward and you know something like boom clap was as well but i thought this had a little bit more substance i enjoyed this more so gone was a big hit for me we went to claws next now holden are you familiar with the band cyber bully mom club of course not case <laughs> i will say that claws reminded me of a cyber bully mom club song at least in the way that it sounded now cyber bully mom club was a real diy lo-fi band kind of in the same vein as an elvis to presley or a teen suicide which was a scene that i was into for a little bit and then kind of got out of it relatively quickly but it's it's not the same thing because i think charlie xcx it was almost like uh, manufacturing jeans with uh, pre-ripped holes in them, I think is sort of the equivalent of what Charlie XCX was doing here, a purposefully lo-fi sound, whereas one of the bands I just mentioned, 18 Suicide and such, would have done this as a, a almost a, a means to an end. But I, I enjoyed this for what it was. It was a very different sound. Yeah. Um, and this is like, um, you know, 100 Gex. So I'm familiar with the idea that that exists. I recently learned that 100 Gex was an artist. I thought it was a song. No, 100 Gex is like, it's a duo. Mm. Uh, Dylan Brady and Laura Less. I don't know, maybe it's Lise, it's L-E-F. Um, and they're just a duo and they became really big. And okay, well, we should have talked about this earlier. Damn me. But there's like hyper pop. Yeah. Like the genre that you'd put Charlie XCX in. So like hyper pop, the community of hyper pop is pretty close knit. I would say like A.G. Cook, who is Charlie XCX's creative director and like executive producer for all of her projects. He founded the music collective PC Music he's kind of like the godfather of hyperpop. Okay. He's very close with Dylan Brady of 100 Gex and therefore Charlie XCX is very close with Dylan Brady of 100 Gex. So this was produced by him. And like, I think if you listen to 100 Gex, you can kind of parse that out because it is very like, it is very like traditional, like your traditional cling clang song. Like very hyperpop. It's very traditional. You're going to tell someone about a, you're going to introduce someone into hyperpop. You could give them claws. And I think that they would know what that means, especially when you compare it, when you, when you pair it up with it's like music video, which was shot like at home in front of a green screen, very DIY vibes. 
and like with like some really good animation, like 3D animation from like, I wanna say Charlotte, whatever her name is. I don't remember her photography. That's okay, she's down in Portland. <laughs> but yeah, I think that like, this is like, especially when it comes to like all of the elements of it from production to how it was made during quarantine, like very DIY. I think it's like a very quintessential hyper pop song. I want to talk about No Angel. This is, I think, in the similar tone as a Vroom Vroom where Charlie XCX has gone bad again. I liked this song a lot more than Vroom Vroom. Thought it was very catchy. Thought it was kind of funny. A real unapologetic look at Charlie XCX kind of maybe doing some shady business and her just kind of being like, deal with it. So this song has a bit of lore to it. Please explain the lore. There's a lot of Charlie XCX lore. Um, There was, and I mean... She'll deny it if you ask her, that uh-huh. Charlotte. But it's like, it's like a, her worst kept secret. Like she denies it. She can deny it all she wants. Like there's like, it's clear that it happened, that she had an album that was supposed to, it was supposed to be her third album after Sucker. And it was called XEX World. Mm. And it had a lot of different songs on it. No Angel being one of them. And then what had happened was Charlie XCX got her Google Drive hacked and law and all of the files, the bulk of the XCX world project was leaked. And this was one of the songs that people knew was going to be on XCX world because one of Charlie XCX's producers at the time, Sophie, um, who just recently passed. Yes, I saw that was awful. Yeah, love her. Um, Sophie had played it at had played No Angel at live shows, and Sophie's also the like executive producer of the Vroom Vroom EP at large. Um, so people knew of No Angel, and they knew they were like once XCX World kind of like leaked, and these songs were getting leaked. People were like, "But where's No Angel in high quality? Like, we want No Angel," and like. There's another song called Taxi, which is also produced by Sophie. That's like the, like No Angel times fucking a hundred. Like everyone's always like, where's Taxi? Where's Taxi? And Sophie at concerts would be like, shut up about Taxi. And Charlie XCX will be, is like, I'll play Taxi. I'll release Taxi when I'm dead. But No Angel was kind of like, it's kind of like Taxi light Mm. where like, it was very elusive. It was like they heard it at live shows and then everything got leaked, but not that. And then like summer 2017 or 2018, 2018 after our freshman year of college, Charlie XCX was doing this thing where she wasn't committing to like an album yet, but every month she was releasing singles and she released five in the morning. And then her next single was like a double single with focus and no angel. And everyone was like, the Charlie XCX Twitter went crazy because they were like, oh my God, this song that we've like been begging for for like a year and a half is like being given to us. And that was kind of like the first, I don't know, people got real greedy after that because okay. they were like, well, if she can release No Angel, she can release any song that Taxi. we have in low quality that we want in high quality. Um, but yeah, that was kind of, that's the lore of No Angel. 
Well, my goodness, Holden, thank you so much for informing me. We're, we're up against the clock here a little bit, so I want to lump these last two tracks together, track 10 and forever. I know personally for me, I didn't think there was anything wrong with these songs, but it, it really delved hard into the electronic world. So there was just a listener disconnect with me, a very subjective taste that I have where I wasn't really necessarily into these tracks as much, but they were on the tail end of the playlist, which uh, I think is where you freestyle a little bit. So what are your thoughts on both track 10 and the final one on this playlist, which was forever? Um, these two are really easy to lump together because I think that, um, yeah, like you said, they're both like heavily like electronic. They're very production heavy. Track 10 even more so because track 10 is technically a, a remix of a song that came out after it. On the, her self-titled album, there's a song called Blame It On Your Love featuring Lizzo. And track 10 is a remixed version of that because she'd been working on Blame It On Your Love for a long, long time. Um, and then she remixed, A.G. Cook remixed it and put it on there. Um, but I think both of these songs have a lot of like heart. They're very like vulnerable. And I think they're both very like raw and emotional. And I think that like, it was important for me to put those on there because I was like, she's not just doing songs about like partying or like songs like I Got It where it's just like one phrase kind of repeated over and over again until it goes crazy. Like, I think those songs are both like very like, they're, they're deeper than they appear on the surface. And I think they have, they have a lot of heart to them. Like forever makes me cry. Well, my goodness, you're so brave for admitting that, Holden. Thank, Thank you for, you. for bearing your soul on this podcast. You have been such a tremendous guest. I just have one final question for you, which is why should we care about Charlie XCX? Um, Charlie XCX, ask the critics because they think that Charlie XCX is the future of pop. And while I think that that's a little, you know, future of pop is a little bit of a overstated term. I think that she's definitely doing what I think a lot of mainstream pop artists either are afraid to do or just too lazy to do. I think that she's like pop on cocaine. So if you like pop music, why shouldn't you fucking like Charlie XCX? It's fucking amazing. I am someone that typically does not listen to pop music, but I found there to be a surprising amount of depth and an enjoyable amount of experimentation with these songs on this playlist. Holden, thank you so much for joining me. Please plug whatever social media accounts or whatever else you would like to plug. Let the listeners know. Um, my Instagram is at HowNowMadCow. Um, my Twitter is how now mad cow my other twitter is think the words burn rubber no space and the second u is a v and my tumblr account if you want to follow that too is at 666 gay fag so follow me there if you want more lukewarm charlie xcx opinion I'm on both Twitter and Instagram at underscore case low, C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E, the podcast itself. If you want updates on the podcast but don't want to hear about my own life, it is on Instagram at art school albums. Holden, thank you so much. This was a blast. This has been, uh, I'm going to title this episode, Holden, True Life. I run a Charlie XCX Stan account. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Case. I love you. Come on to me.